You are now listening to the people of digital marketing with your host, me, Kenny Soto. This podcast is your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and most importantly, career advice from the best digital marketers in the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well, guess what? You're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Kudos to you for listening to this episode of the People of Digital Marketing because this episode is a little different from most of my usual ones because of today's guest, Mary Anderson. Mary is a designer, brand strategist, and founder of Vitality Creative Studio. She believes in the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit, and that creativity can be the catalyst for change. From her mobile studio, she collaborates with social and environmental change makers on projects from sustainable design to digital media and everything in between. The reason why this episode is different is because you'll hear in the background as Mary is answering some of my questions, a little bit of static. That static is because she works out of a mobile studio, a van, if you will, and it's really, really cool. Now, let's tune in so you can find out more. Hi, Mary. How are you? Hi, Kenny. I'm great. I'm really, really happy to be here. So normally, I start these podcast episodes by asking the same old question, which is what got you into digital marketing? But before we go into that, I have another question specifically for you, which is, why are you taking this call outside? Yes. So I am extremely lucky in that I have a mobile studio. So I work completely remote. I'm a digital nomad. Uh, I live out of my Ford E350 cargo van that my partner and I have built out to have everything that we need to live and work out of it while we travel the country and travel the world. What areas have you traveled throughout the States right now? So we started in Colorado. That's where we built out the van in Idaho Springs. It's a really small mountain town just west of Denver. And we traveled through southern Colorado, um, up through the southwest of the western slope, like Telluride area. And then we just this month uh, crossed into Utah. So we're currently in Moab and starting to experience the, the beautiful desert. Now, this is definitely an unconventional way to live your life. And I think just to add more context, we should go into the original question that I always ask. So it's going to be in two parts in this case. My first question is going to be, what got you into marketing? And then the second would be, what got you into creating this mobile home and becoming a digital mar- uh, nomad? Yes, yeah. So really how I got into marketing, uh, I like to call it a happy accident. It was really, I, I went to school. I always wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a journalist and I, I studied journalism, uh, but I was in a unique situation where I played soccer and I actually redshirted. So I had a fifth year. I needed to fill in a fifth year of classes. And I came in with a semester of classes already from AP. So I'm like, okay, I have a major in journalism. I was minoring in fashion merchandising. And I was like, I need to fill my schedule to be a full-time student still. Um, So I started taking graphic communication classes and graphic communication became uh, my minor. And I just, 
fell in love with design and marketing. You know, I was starting to experience some of the marketing side uh, with advertising and my journalism classes. And when it came time to do my internship, um, you know, I always thought I wanted to work at a magazine. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do my internship at a magazine. I got to do it in the editorial and design departments. And then the design department, I was designing a lot of their marketing materials. And I just felt the design part of thing is what felt like not work to me. You know, when I had to write, it felt like it was forced a little bit, whereas the design was so fluid, the marketing was so fluid. So I decided to go completely abandon my my original plan and go full force in, into design and just dive into what I was passionate about. So I started exploring all the different avenues. I was freelancing, working for myself, um, just exploring all that was possible with graphic design. And I really found a love for branding and marketing and digital media. So I started to hone in on that. That's how I got to where I was today. It was really just a path of following and finding what, what I was passionate about. You know, I've always rejected the idea that our jobs and our work should be anything less than our greatest passion. You know, we spend, like, let's think about how much time we spend working compared to our free time. You know, the, the conventional school of thought, you know, you, you work your nine to five, five days a week. And then the weekend is where you really, you know, you're working for the weekend. Right. Uh, but what I really, and I'm really passionate about is that, you know, what we spend nine to five, five days a week should be something that we, we love and something that we're passionate about. So that's kind of also how I got into this digital nomad space and, and traveling from, from my mobile studio. So it, it's funny, it started with my partner uh, just saying, you know, I kind of want to live nowhere didn't really know, like it wasn't fully formulated what, what that actually meant. He was like, I, I don't want to be in one place. I want to, I want to live nowhere. And we ended up running into someone who was living out of their pack and backpacking through all of the national parks. And it just felt like this, this build of, you know, oh, there's people who actually do this. It's funny. At first we wanted to live out of our Prius, <laughs> uh, which is a lot smaller, uh, but looked more into it and you know we really stumbled upon van life and that there's actually people that do this there's people that that travel around out of their vehicle and are able to explore all these incredible places and so we just kept full force forward into you know what we felt was the life that we wanted to live and I've always personally felt a really special connection with nature you know I love being outside I love hiking uh, even when we lived in our apartment you joke that our backyard was this meadow that we would hike up to almost every single day. So it, it was a journey to get here for sure. You know, we planned for two years of researching, planning, you know, we built out this van all on our own and neither of us had ever used a power tool before. So it was a huge learning curve, but we just leaned into what we knew we wanted to do and, and did the work to get here. I was a digital nomad for, I think, about two and a half months in 2020 before COVID ruined my plans. And aside from COVID, I noticed that there were some unique challenges to the digital nomad lifestyle. My next question for you, Mary, is what are the challenges that you are facing on a day-to-day -day basis both related with work, but also just personally when it comes to living from a mobile van? 
Yes, there's there's a lot of challenges. Uh, we move around a lot. You know, it's nice when we stay somewhere for a week, you can kind of settle in. But there's a lot of days, you know, where I'm waking up early in the morning and we're driving to get somewhere that we know we have service to be able to set up my work stuff. So a lot of planning had to go into that as well. You know, that's a challenge to always make sure that we have internet connection and that we have good service everywhere we're at. So we have a cell signal booster that helps a lot, but that's that's definitely a challenge. We have to pick places that we go that we can do all of the activities we want to do while still making sure that I can keep up with my clients and all of all of my work and all of that. But really just the the day-to-day challenges, you it's a small space. You don't have a, t- a ton of room to be doing your your normal activities. I also have two dogs, a golden retriever Irish setter mix and a cattle dog mix. So they're not small dogs. There's not a lot of space move around and it's really just always different you never know the the challenges that you're going to come across and you just have to be able to deal with them as you go now I know as you just mentioned like sometimes you just got to figure it out day by day but there are definitely some things that I remember from my experience that I wish I knew ahead of time like for example if you're working with a client who's in a different time zone there's this nifty, nifty tool called timeanddate.com where it helps you match up the perfect and ideal set of times to schedule a meeting. Are there any tools where they, it, can, it can mainly be software, but if you think of anything else that help with managing your time, help with client relationships, help with you finding new clients? Are there any tools that come to mind in that regard? Yes, definitely that that time tool that you're talking about is because I work with clients all over the place, including I have a couple clients in the UK. So that's definitely a a challenge and that tool is extremely important. Uh, I also track all of my time. I use Toggle. That's really important to me for billing and also so I can just be aware of how I'm spending my time because time is a, a limited resource. It's almost my most limited resource more than money out here because I want to be doing all of these things but I also want to be running my business so being able to track my time uh, is extremely important Um, otherwise video conferencing obviously is very important to be able to form connections with my clients that are from all over the place you know I'm not seeing these people in person ever so zoom I also use google meet sometimes both of those uh, are, are really crucial tools as well Now, the audience knows you're a digital nomad and you are most likely in the service-based business doing design. Can you give a little bit more context on what specific services you give to your clients? Yes. So I specialize in two areas. One of those areas is branding. So developing brand systems and brand identities uh, is something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And that is one of my main services. And then I also specialize in sustainable design. So I call it the, I don't call it, it's called the triple bottom line. So people, planet, and profit. So I work with clients that believe in tracking all of those things and considering all of those efforts. So for example, when I have a print project for one of my clients, I actually do a lot of research, not just the design side of it. So say it is a brochure that someone needs to create and print for their customers, right? To be able to know about their services. So I come in, I help them 
with the strategy of how of what needs to be in there, what they want to include, all of that. I work through the content with them. I design it for them. And then when we go to print it, when I'm finding a printer, I just don't find a printer that, okay, this is the cost, X amount of dollars. I do the work to figure out, okay, how is this person? I have kind of a checklist. Design to Renourish is a really um, great, renourish.org is the, the website. It's a really great resource for kind of this criteria. But I ask questions like, how are they treating their workers? Are their workers being paid fairly? Um, do they have paid medical leave and maternity, paternity leave? All of those things. I ask them the questions of how are they treating the people? How are they involved in their community? How are they in their sustainability practices? Are they using recycled paper? Are they powered by renewables, kind of all of these checklist questions to give my clients the true cost and be able to then reduce waste and maximize social impact in a positive way. I'm really glad you mentioned social impact because that ties right into my next question, which is how does social impact play a role in your career specifically as a digital marketer? Social impact is where I'm most passionate, I would say, social and environmental impact, but social, they're, they're kind of intertwined, right? Uh, it, it plays a role in the clients that I work with. You know, I only work with ethical brands and I try and really make ethics an important piece of the clients that I work with. I try and have them think about these things as well because you know, social impact, it's not just for the nonprofits these days, right? Like social impact is an expectation by consumers and by growing, especially, you know, as Gen Z is entering the market and, and growing influence there, no brand can, can market themselves without a piece of some sort of social impact. So people can feel good about buying from you and feel good about interacting with you as a brand. So you mentioned Gen Z is having an ethical brand num number one, like slash top of mind for Gen Z customers. It is. I mean, there's still, you know, some of the, the surveys are showing that there are still other factors that are, you know, cost is still a major factor. There's still social impact. I don't think is necessarily the number one yet, but it is definitely top five and it is growing, you know, Gen Z is really interesting in their, it, and I think it's the evolution of, of marketing advertising just in general, you know, with boomers, I, I'm a millennial with, I'm kind of actually right on the, the bridge. I'm barely a millennial, almost a Gen Z. So kind of the boomers saw the age of advertising where, you know, what the company said, you just trusted. There was a lot of trust in authority, trust in companies. And as millennials, and especially in Gen Z, you know, that, that trust in large corporations is way, way down. People aren't aren't trusting that these brands are doing what's best for them and best for the world. But when a brand does, you know, that's that's something that they can jump on and they can be on board with and they can feel good about their purchases. So I think Gen Z pays a lot more attention and is a lot more picky with who they'll buy from. They're, the the conventional advertising techniques just don't work on them. Things that work on them are, you know, giving back programs. If there's a donation that you give if someone purchases, then they feel like they're connected with that. You know, they want to feel good and they care more about these social impact and these social issues. 
Now, Mary, before we go to the next question, I don't want to forget to mention this for the listener specifically. A great example of an ethical brand that targets targets Gen Z customers and is actually a competitor of the company that I'm working for. They're called Aspiration. They are a fintech app. And part of why they're really cool is like, for example, I believe their referral program is for every single person you help get an account, they'll plant a tree. So I think examples like that might become more spread out, not just in fintech, but in other industries and spaces in the future. So I just wanted to highlight that before asking my next question. So I've, I felt, felt that this is a unjust stereotype slash unjust um, approach to vetting marketers, especially designers, where a lot of business owners will say, why should I hire you as a designer when I can get someone off of a Fiverr or Upwork for 20% the cost? So my question for you is, how do you tackle this claim, which is unjustified? And two, what do you tell people who believe marketing is, or excuse me, design is an easy thing to do? It's a nice to have. Yes, um, it's actually funny that you you asked this question and bring this up because I used to be on Fiverr. You know, I started, I had no clients to start with. I didn't take the traditional path, you know, where a lot of freelancers, they work for a company for 10 years or so. They're in an industry for 10 to 20 years, and then they decide to be a freelancer. I started from the very bottom and I built my client base up. So I'm not on Fiverr anymore, but I used to be. So I can say in personal experience that you cannot get from Fiverr what you can get from a a hired designer independently. And the reason for that is Fiverr is the middleman. You know, I can't even video, I couldn't even video chat with the, the people. Everything has to be tracked and in chat. And so you're just not getting the quality of collaboration that you can get from someone that you can actually Zoom and talk with face to face and have these multiple meetings. And, you know, not on Fiverr, once you start and you start the project, the timer starts clicking. And it's just this experience that it, it's not the experience that you can get and the level of attention and how deep you can go with someone when you're working with them. And I will also say that, that that's how I tackle it, essentially. So I tell them my personal experience. This is what I've done before. You know, you can't get what you can get when you're with me. And also to answer your second part of that question, you know, with design just being a nice to have. What's really interesting about design is that it's not just something you see, it's something you feel. So much of branding and design is aimed at the subconscious. So psychologically, when something is well put together and it's, you know, designed nicely, clean lines, you know, it's it's not all over the place, you're automatically having a positive bias to like what you're looking at and better receive what you're looking at. So design is really the secret power to making your messaging land and making your marketing actually be impactful. It's I would say one of the most important parts, especially nowadays when the competition is huge, right? Like the, all of these markets, all of these industries, you're competing with so many other different brands. So you want to be able to stand out and look put together and have your, your customers, your clients, your consumers feel your brand, not just see it. 
Now I talked about things you wish you knew, um, or I guess things that you, it's hard to prepare to be a digital nomad, of course. One thing I want to talk about is just starting your own business, whether that's being a business owner of a corporation startup or being your own freelancer, where you have to do all the work essentially by yourself. There's not a lot of like support in terms of how you're tackling each day. What's one specific challenge when it comes to owning your own business that you wish you knew about before starting? Good question. So one thing that I wish I knew before I started is that these things take time. I think that's something for a lot of people, you know, it's hard to have that patience. And so even being by yourself, you don't have anyone to, you know, encourage you on the hard days and you don't have anyone necessarily to, you know, build you up. Like, no, it's okay that we're not like making the traction we thought we would right away. You know, having that patience is harder when you're by yourself, but that is the biggest lesson that I've learned, you know, where I thought I would be in the first year is actually where I was by year three or four, you know, so being able to just, you know, have patience and, and trust the process uh, and not give up because that's really, you know, I, I think that's a common saying uh, in the startup world, in the, you know, the independent contractor world is that, uh, the people who are who have success are just the ones who don't give up, the ones that keep going and trust that, you know, what they're doing is is right, even if you're not seeing instant results. I listened recently to a podcast where they were talking specifically about startups and they said, this is Mark Andreessen specifically, he said that if you could be talked out of starting your own business, then you shouldn't start your own business. What is the top consideration that you would share with someone who may be considering your career path as a freelancer, business owner, digital nomad, et cetera, that they should think about before starting? Because there might be people out there who listen to this episode and think, oh, what she's doing is really awesome. Maybe I should do it. How would you talk them out of it if they could be talked out of it? Yes. Um, well. There's this pretty picture, right, of the digital nomad world where you're always in beautiful places and all of your technologies where, you know, like you have this like image of a person like sitting in this beautiful, with this beautiful backscape. And, you know, it's this, this very pretty picture of yeah. what it is to be a digital nomad. But I fell for that the reality too. Is, yes, the reality is it's hard sometimes, you know, you know, sometimes you have to sleep somewhere and just for the night and then wake up really quickly and go, you know, you're always on the move. There's, there's all of these challenges to actually living it in remotely and mobily and in a small space. So making sure that you're passionate about what you want to do and also that you're passionate about the places that you're going to go, right? Before we decided to do this, we had already done so many different camping trips where I worked from the campsite, you know, we tested it out um, and already we just love being outside. So really taking kind of taking that pretty lens off and, you know, don't see the Instagram posts and the, the YouTube videos of people giving their van tours, like look at videos. There's some on YouTube even of people being completely brutally honest of what, what their daily life is like. And, you know, 
think about whether those things are worth it to you. And if you're really passionate, I'll go back to that, that passion because I'm extremely passionate about design and I'm extremely passionate about the outdoors. So I have no issues when, you know, my daily life is hard. I, it's not hard for me to get into my work. It's not hard for me to deal with all of these things because I'm passionate about where I am and what I'm doing. So kind of taking that really hard look at why you're doing it. Are you doing it just because it looks like a really fun life or are you passionate about what that life would give you? Before I ask my next two questions, I just want to add to what you said with a little personal tidbit from my side. I guess I'm still a digital nomad technically, even though I'm working out of South Africa, I'm I'm still stationed outside of America. So I'm kind of traveling. I'm like a pseudo digital nomad. And I would say you want to go into this knowing fully well that it's not going to be a comfortable journey and you're doing it because you want to grow. You want to challenge yourself and you want to see basically like, how can you handle life when whatever support system you think you have is constantly changing or non-existent. You have to know that that's basically what you're walking into and the clients and team that you're serving don't really care what's going on outside of whatever meeting, email, or Slack channel you're in. You have to get the job done. And especially when it comes to digital marketing, you have to execute and no one cares if, for example, in South Africa, there's this thing called load shedding. And sometimes the power goes out. You have to figure out what to do when the power goes out. You have to find a place that has running electricity, that they have a generator, even if it's two kilometers away from where you are. And you have to get the work done because people are relying on you. And if you're not comfortable navigating situations like that, I would recommend reconsidering the idea of being a digital nomad. COVID has put a pause on the craze of being a digital nomad, I suspect once it goes away or it's just managed better globally, people will start to travel across the globe again, going to Bali, going to Thailand, you know, like the quote unquote traditional digital nomad places. And they'll they'll be hit with reality just like everyone else was hit with reality in 2019, 2018, et cetera, where being a digital nomad is not for everyone. So definitely do your research and make sure that you know going in, you will be challenged and you want to be able to like say, I enjoy challenges, which is why you're doing it in the first place. Now, yeah, and just to quickly yeah. add, add on to that, um, it just made me think of um, this, this quote from Yvonne Chouinard, who's the founder of, of Patagonia. Uh, I recently watched a documentary uh, and he said in the in the documentary, you know, the adventure starts when things go wrong. Like that's really when when the fun and the adventure. And I would say that's life on the road. Like if you're not comfortable with things going wrong, you know, for me, that's the perspective that I have and that I take, you know, I'm expecting things are going to go wrong. And that's, that's the adventure of it. But things are going to go wrong and it's not going to go as as you planned, even uh, if you plan. I love quotes like that because although they sound like cliche it's literally the truth. I've had a lot of great memories after losing a cell phone or misplacing a wallet and then trying to figure out how to navigate the day and then meeting someone just because we just so happen to be in the same lobby with the same issue, we connect. And then I just made a new friend as a quick example. My next question for you, Mary, is what are some core skills, hard or soft, that you have leveraged throughout your entire career? So. 
I think the soft skills for my career, you know, the hard skills are, you know, knowing the program that I know, knowing the design and the principles of design and the design techniques that I know. But anyone, anywhere can have those hard skills. I think it's the soft skills of, first of all, passion. I'm really passionate about what I do. And I think that is the key to everything and the key to even my success um, as a digital marketer, as a brand strategist and a designer, you know, I've worked 10 to 12 hour days for a few years now, you know, I'm trying to burn out culture. I want to be true about and that I was a complete part of that. And I'm trying to pull that back. So I'll give that caveat that I'm working on that, but being willing to put in that much work and just being motivated and passionate about is what I would really attribute to my success and also flexibility and being comfortable with the unknown. Because when I first started, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And that's a really uncomfortable feeling. So being able to work with that and, and lean into that to grow, I think are the, the soft skills that have attributed my success for sure. And I care a lot. So caring about what you do and not just, you know, I care about the clients that I have and the the work that I do, the social impact, the environmental impact, I care about that, but I also care about doing a good job and having, you know, pride is, is the word that comes to mind in, in what I do is important to, you know, I don't have a boss that's telling me, you know, you need to do this. I could not work every day, you know, like it, there's no one making me do any of these things. So being able to keep up and on top of myself is important. And also project management skills, I would say that's that's some hard skills that are extremely important for being able to work for yourself. You need to be able to manage your own time and all of your projects, everything you have going on. And if you're gone, you have to have everything together. You know, there's no one who's going to fill in for you. There's no one who's going to cover for you. So being able to deal with all of those things is crucial. Through these amazing conversations like the one we're having right now and with past guests, I've learned that there are really three stages, maybe not just for marketers, but for professionals in general as they grow through their career. The first stage is being able to execute on a task and set up tasks that are given to you. So that way your team knows you're reliable and your customers know that you can actually deliver on whatever you're promising. The second stage is being able, just like you mentioned, to manage your own time and to take on new tasks and anticipate new tasks without anyone telling you that these tasks are going to be needed a week from now, a month from now, et cetera. And then the third stage, which is the stage I'm trying to get into, and I'm getting there slowly, is being able to coach others to do those tasks and to be self-reliant and self-efficient. So that way you can scale and grow your own team. So that's just something that I was thinking about as you were giving your answer. And I want to ask my last question, which is hypothetical because time machines don't exist. But if they did, and you can go back in time 10 years into the past, knowing everything you know right now, how would you accelerate the speed of your career to get to where you are today just faster? That is a really good question. I would, interesting, because I wouldn't necessarily do anything different. I would almost, if anything, read more books about what I'm passionate about. Because I agree, I think the path that I went on, I'm 
I'm happy with. It's, it's interesting because I used to be like, oh, I don't know if I would do it this way again. Because again, like I said before, this is the non-traditional way of becoming a freelancer and becoming independent to kind of start from from the bottom like that. But now I'm so glad that I did that. So 10 years from now, if I could go back and do anything to accelerate my career, it would just be to learn even more about what I'm passionate about and just dive into more books, more resources and content, podcasts, more of all of that, of, of what I was passionate about. And just that learning curve could have been faster of even, you know, being independent. I didn't I did some research beforehand. I didn't go into it blind, but uh, maybe being more prepared for what that would be like and kind of not the rosy picture of what it is to be a freelancer, but the the, the dirty details as well. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Mary, for your time today. And if anyone wanted to say hello online, where could they find you? Yes, they can find me at vitalitycreativestudio.com. I also have an Instagram. It's vitalitycreativestudio. And then Maria, who you actually had uh, on a guest as well, her and I run a Facebook group together for ethical marketers. It is called the, the Digital Marketing Hive. So we hang out there a lot. That's probably the best place to be able to really interact with me a ton. And for any new listeners, I'll actually put a link to Maria's episode in the show notes. That way you can have a nice follow up to this. Again, Mary, thank you for your time. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of The People of Digital Marketing with your host, Kenny Soto. As always, I really, really appreciate the fact that you enjoy this podcast, and I hope everyone has a great week. Bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to submit a rating and leave a review on your podcasting app. Reviews like this help to grow this podcast and get it to more people like yourself, people who want to grow in their marketing careers. If you want to say hello, you can find me on any social media platform by simply searching Kenny Soto. I look forward to hearing from you soon. And as always, let's keep growing together.